Hello, this is Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank. We deep dive into our stock picks as ASEAN markets continue to lag North Asia. We also consider the beneficiaries of the LRT project in Penang and developments in Iskandar Johor as Forest City becomes a special financial zone. Meanwhile, what is ahead for REITs in Singapore? Chua Hak Bin, a co-head of Macro, speaks to the research teams across the region. Hey, hi. Morning. It's Monday, 28 August. Just a quick recap of last week. Markets were mixed. Growth and tech stocks outperformed, led by an earnings and revenue beat from AI chip maker NVIDIA. Financials pulled back early in the week after S&P Global downgraded its credit ratings of five regional US banks, citing stresses in the commercial real estate market. Several U.S. retailers offered a more cautious picture on the health of the U.S. consumer. Uh, New home sales was a big surprise, which reached their highest level in July since early last year, despite the highest mortgage rates in years. Asian markets generally softer on renewed concerns over a Chinese economic slowdown and troubles in the property market. Thai and Korean equities were the best performing last week. Vietnam Central Bank announced that they will sluggish economy. This follows up the Vietnam's Prime Minister ordered the regulator to help businesses better access to loans. At the Fed's annual economic symposium at Jackson Hole, Jay Powell struck a hawkish tone and warned that inflation remains far too high, raising the prospects of more interest rate increases should price pressures persist. But he did balance that message with a pledge to proceed carefully as we decide whether to tighten further or instead to hold the policy rate constant and await further data. On Thursday last week, the BRICS block of developing countries was expanded to include six new countries, including Argentina, Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. China is um, attempting to build a club that will create a counterweight to the existing G7. In Thailand, Kutai's Sreta Tavzin was voted in as Premier on Wednesday last week. The former property developer won the parliament vote with a near two-thirds majority. But Thai markets have been rising slightly now with the political deadlock resolved. Uh, we will have Tuck and Erica comment on the Thai macro outlook later. Uh, the prelim August composite PMI for Australia, Eurozone, UK and US showed moderating growth momentum. According to the report, the PMI showed a weaker business activity in robust growth in Japan and I think underscored how tighter monetary policy in the West is dampening demand. In Singapore, factory activity fell by the smallest and expected 0.9% in July. That's an improvement from the sharp falls seen in the first half. Uh, brightens the outlook for the recovery by year-end. Electronics output in particular reverted to positive growth, plus 5.1%. And that's the strongest expansion since May of last year. Uh, we have a packed macro week ahead. Spotlight will be on the US 2Q GDP, the July PCE price index, that's the Fed's preferred inflation gauge, and August jobs report. Uh, for jobs, markets are expecting non-fund payrolls to come in at about 180,000 in August. That's down slightly from the 187,000 in July which would indicate that the Fed's rate hikes is cooling the labour market. Uh, lots of company results this week. Uh, I, I think in particular, the focus will be on the Chinese banks' results, Bank of China, ICBC, and whether their earnings will be affected by the slowdown, China's slowdown, as well as the rate cuts. Uh, there will also be results from Xiaomi, BYD, Ping'an, PetroChina, Fanke, Petronas, Hewlett-Packard, Best Buy, UBS, Dell, and Broadcom. Uh, today, we have uh, Zamros on Malaysian Macro, Erica and Chuck on Thailand, Anand on ASEAN Strategy, Waysome on Impact on Penang's LRT project, as well as the Country Garden uh, Forest City project. 
uh, Krishna on Singapore Reads, and Brian Willie on Indonesian Consumer. So let's kick off first with uh, Zamros. Malaysia's headline inflation continues to slide in July. What's driving the fall, and do you think the inflation risk has receded? Or do you think the fall in inflation is just transitory and price pressures may resurface later this year or next year? Uh, hi, morning, Admin. Uh, morning, everyone. Yeah, the uh, Malaysia CPI for July actually slows down to uh, 2% uh, from 2.4% uh, in June. So that makes uh, for the first seven months of this year inflation at uh, 3%, lower than the full year uh, inflation last year at 3.3%. And uh, on month on month basis, uh, monthly inflation actually uh, slows down to uh, 0.1% from 0.2%. Uh, and I think encouragingly, uh, the uh, core inflation also uh, eased uh, to 2.8% from 3.1%. So overall, uh, we are seeing uh, sort of broad-based easing in inflation, uh, whereby the uh, food and non-alcoholic beverages actually uh, cools to 4.4% from 4.7% uh, year-on-year. Uh, transport inflation actually uh, uh, contracted by negative 0.4% from 0% in July uh, from in June, uh, mainly on the uh, base effect. Uh, utilities uh, inflation has been uh, stable at 1.7%, and services uh, inflation, uh, which has been elevated, uh, also slowed down to 2.9% from 3.2% uh, in June. So uh, basically, we keep our uh, inflation forecast for this year. Uh, at three percent, as we continue to expect uh, the monthly inflation to stay at sub three percent, mainly on the uh, base effect uh, for the rest of this year. But having said that, uh, we continue to see uh, the risk to the uh, inflation forecast uh, bias on the upside, mainly on two counts. Uh, firstly, on the uh, fluid government policies on the uh, subsidies and price controls, and and secondly on the uh, uh, El Nino-related food inflation rates. Uh, if you look at uh, July numbers uh, and rice inflation uh, already up uh, by, to 2.4% year-on-year from 1.4% uh, in June. Uh, and on month-on-month basis, uh, rice inflation was up by 0.9% from 0.3% uh, in June. So this is mainly uh, because of the uh, current global shortage of rice supply and also uh, recent India's decision to ban uh, the uh, their export rice. Habin. Uh, so Zamrosh, remind us on your views on Bank Negara's policy rate. With the low inflation, will Bank Negara remain a hold for this year next? Uh, we, we continue to expect uh, Bank Negara to keep uh, the OPR to stay unchanged at 3% uh, for the rest of this year and uh, also next year. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the recent... Uh, Bank Negara's monetary policy statement uh, in July uh, shows that the uh, current monetary policy stance continue to be slightly accommodative, uh, thus remains uh, supportive of the uh, economy. Uh, we know that the uh, second quarter GDP growth for Malaysia uh, was lower at 2.9%, uh, from 5.6% in the first quarter. Uh, hence, uh, we, we, we also... Uh, adjusted our growth forecast for this year to 4% from 4.5%. And at the same time, uh, Bank Negara also sees uh, limited risk of the uh, uh, future financial imbalances. So these are the factors which uh, we, we why we continue to keep our expectation that OPR to stay unchanged uh, at 3% uh, for this year and next year. Habib. Great. Thanks, Zamras. Let's bring in Erica and Thailand Macro first before Chuck. 
Uh, so Erica, you see clearer skies ahead now for Thailand, even though you've lowered the GDP growth forecast for this year. Why the optimism on Thailand's outlook? Morning, Hapin. Yes, we are revising down uh, Thailand's GDP growth for the full year from uh, 3.8% to 3.2%, um, but it's primarily because of the unexpectedly soft Q2 GDP growth number of 1.8%. Uh, so what happened in Q2 was um, even though private consumption was strong uh, with a tight labour market, and boosted also by election spending. Uh, net exports were dragged down by weak demand from China, uh, whereas uh, public spending and private investment were both held back, um, awaiting the formation of the new government. Uh, but uh, now we see the clouds dissipating and clearer skies ahead. So after uh, GDP growth in the first half of 2.2%, we expect growth to almost double uh, to 4.2% in the second half of this year. Um, so there are a, a couple of reasons uh, why we are optimistic about uh, an acceleration in Thailand's GDP growth. So first, uh, with the formation of the Thai-led uh, coalition government, we expect the disbursement of some of the uh, election uh, pledges. Uh, so some of them would be pro-consumption uh, measures um, that are directly putting cash uh, into the hands of Thai households. So we expect that to boost household spending. Um, secondly, uh, public investment uh, that has been quite soft in um, the, the quarters leading up to the election, uh, we expect um, to be ramped up with the passage of the FY 2024 um, fiscal budget. So we expect uh, several of the public projects that were held back to be started. And thirdly, uh, tourism uh, was uh, weaker than expected uh, because of limited flight capacity. And we expect, um, we are reassured that uh, there is a stronger resumption of flight capacity uh, in Q3 and Q4. So that should support the continued resurgence in Thailand's tourism industry. Um, last but not least, uh, we see a resurgence in private investment in the years ahead. So we are quietly confident of a manufacturing renaissance underway in Thailand. And the reason is uh, we've observed a 70% year-on-year jump in investment applications uh, in Thailand this year, um, and then uh, 141% FDI jump in uh, investment applications as well. Um, majority of these are in the electronics as well as EV space. So th this lays a very good foundation for Thailand's long-term manufacturing resurgence. Back to you, Hapin. So Erica, what's your call on Bank of Thailand? Any more rate hikes or cuts this to a GDP outcome, um, the BOT is likely to turn less hawkish on rates, uh, with core inflation having come down to 0.9% below the pre-pandemic average. We now expect the Bank of Thailand to keep rates on hold at 2.25% at its next meeting and possibly to start cutting rates uh, alongside the central banks around the world next year. Great. Thanks, Erica. Chuck, so the Thai market is one of the worst performing in ASEAN this year, but with the appointment of a new prime minister and the political overhang somewhat lifted, 
what's your view on the markets and what catalysts will investors be looking out for? Yeah, so we are, you know, quite bullish on the market outlook, especially after this, you know, political overhang uh, is lifted. Um, so our year-end target price uh, for our set index is uh, 1650. That's um, actually un been unchanged. Uh, but now, you know, if we're looking forward for next year, it's actually, you know, could be 1850. So we're overall quite positive. Um, and as Rika mentioned, you know, in the near term, we expect, you know, government stimulus to be the key driver. Um, so on my estimate, you know, some of the quick win measures uh, could total almost uh, 1 trillion Thai baht or about 5.5% of GDP. I think that's um, going to provide a pretty big boost and a strong backdrop uh, for, the, uh, for, for, the, uh, for the market. Um, in terms of earnings, I also think that, you know, consensus downgrade has finished. Um, so this year we have seen, you know, one of the steepest downgrade cycles uh, all compared to the past 10 years. Uh, but from this point on, we actually see you know, potential for a little bit of upgrade, especially for next year. So on our earnings forecast, we're expecting 6% growth this year for the market, uh, followed by 15% in 2024 and 10% in 2025. Um, keep in mind that, you know, those forecasts are, you know, without any impact from incorporating any impact from potential stimulus. Um, so, you know, potentially we could see upside risk to, to our um, uh, number. Um, as well as consensus number. Um, so again, it's a strong backdrop. In terms of valuation, uh, market is trading about 14.5 times, which is not cheap compared to other ASEAN markets, I admit, but you know, compared to the index, uh, historical, set index, historical average, this is um, you know, almost one standard, the uh, below its own average um, of about 16.3. So on that basis, I think you could argue that there's relative value here. Um, and especially, you know, in light of the growth uh, I just mentioned. Um, for stocks, uh, we recommend banks and energy. Those have been, you know, our core holdings and, and remain positive on both of those sectors. Um, this time around, we're adding consumption plays. You know, previously, we have been somewhat cautious on this sector. Um, but with the anticipated government stimulus coming up, we, we, we think, you know, this is like, uh, uh, you know, turning a corner for these guys. Um, so we, we're bullish. Uh, this time, we're adding CPR uh, as a play on retail recovery. We are also adding CP food as a potential uh, turnaround play on improved outlook for swine price and also falling uh, cost pressure. Great. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, let's move on to Anand. In your latest ASEAN equity report, what are the main highlights and themes? And do you see the China slowdown as being a drag on any of ASEAN sectors or stocks? Yeah, good morning, everyone. Yeah, definitely China is casting a, a long shadow uh, over ASEAN. So market performance for ASEAN, not just the last two weeks, but for most of August, has been pretty sluggish uh, with a downward bias. I think besides China, uh, which will probably remain an overhang for quite some time, uh, the other drivers which are sort of pushing investors to the sidelines, uh, one big one is the second quarter is reporting. We're at the tail end of that now. Uh, but frankly, it has been quite uninspiring. Uh, and we've seen, you know, frankly, very few stocks are beating expectations and uh, the bias has been for underperformance. Uh, and the second thing, which sort of backs up or underpins that uh, reporting disappointment is the fact that GDP has also disappointed. If you look at two quarter, second quarter GDP announcements by Malaysia, Philippines, uh, Thailand, they've all undershot expectations. So that makes investors think, you know, China plus undershooting GDP so early in the year, we could be in for a tough growth environment uh, in the second half. Having said that, though, uh, Hagbin, we have been upgrading quite a few stocks. 
and that's because we see value. Like Chuck mentioned, in even Thailand, we've upgraded uh, the retail place there. We do see value in uh, other stocks emerging as well as uh, stock prices come down. So in the last two weeks, definitely uh, upgrading buyers. We've raised RCE Capital, Magnum, AEM, uh, Capital Land Investment in Singapore to buy, uh, and also uh, True TV uh, the, in, in Thailand to buy as well. So I think uh, we will be unearthing more uh, buy opportunities as markets continue to drift lower. Okay, great. Thanks, Anand. Um, let's bring in Waysum. I think there's a lot of excitement about around the Penang LLT project. You have a note out. Why do you think it's such a game changer that would transform the Penang property market? Hi, hi. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, the, the, the Penang LRT will improve the connectivity and mitigate the worsening congestion on Penang Island. Uh, it will also help to make previously less accessible area more attractive for property division of island in the southern part of Penang Island would offer multiple development opportunities. So with more job opportunities in the future, we may see a potential shift in uh, property demand pattern from the northern side to the southern part of Penang Island. So which Malaysian companies do you see as being the big beneficiaries? Uh, e and O. E and O. Uh, it has a uh, four hundred plus acres of land. Uh, at Sri Tanjung Penang site, so I think it should be able to benefit from the upcoming Penang LRT. I think you have a note out as well on Forest City, um, Country Gardens Forest City in Iskanda. I guess some articles have deemed it a ghost town, uh, but the Malaysian government announced that it's going to become a special financial zone. So why Forest City and do you think it's going to work? We think that this will be a good initiative uh, from the government as the special finance Zoom has the potential to attract a growing number of Chinese family funds seeking more affordable alternative in this region. So apart from that, the special Zoom in the, in the southwestern Johor could benefit from the spillover effect of Singapore initiative to develop uh, Zurong Lake District as its second CBD. It, it will be good to put this uh, special finance financial zone in Forest City area to help balancing the economic growth in the southwestern Johor as business uh, activities are now fo focused, concentrated at the Johor CBD, which will be further boosted by the upcoming RTS while the south the southeastern region is driven by the oil and gas activity. So by putting this, this special financial zone in the Iskanda Putri area, it will benefit the Iskanda Putri area and the south the, the southern western uh Johor. So wait, so which Malaysian developers do you see as being uh, beneficiaries from this? They are quite a few developers that have land bank in the Iskandar Putri area, including Ecover, SB Sadir, Yuan Sunrise, KSL, uh, Malfa International, Bukhat, and ENO e and Sunway. So another plantation uh, company, KLK, also has land there. Okay, great. Thanks, Wesam. Hope, hope this plays out. Uh, Krishna, the Singapore REITs have reported the second quarter financial results. What are the key takeaways? Any major surprises? 
thank you, Dr. Chua, and good morning, everyone. Uh, yes, so we have a note uh, wrapping up the two Q results for the Singapore REIT sector. Uh, not much surprises there, uh, as expected. DPUs and NAVs uh, declined year-on-year year and sequentially, except for the hospitality sector. Um, the operating performance remains relatively resilient. The reversions are uh, in the positive territory, and some of the industrial REITs have reported strong double-digit reversions. Um, however, we are seeing uh, some uh, mixed signs in terms of occupancy, uh, which previously was relatively uh, uh, increasing on a sequential basis as well. Uh, funding cost-wise, uh, overall funding cost rose by about uh, 50 basis points, sequentially 100 basis points year on year. And that remains the key drag uh, to otherwise uh, uh, resilient operational performance. So after the two key results, which sec reach sectors would you recommend investors invest in? Uh, which sectors to avoid? We are still with uh, logistics and hospitality, um, but having said that, uh, what we are noting that some of the visitor arrival statistics uh, are experiencing a relatively slower growth on a month-on-month -month basis. Uh, while there are strong uh, event pipelines uh, into this uh, in second half of this year and then in the next year, uh, if the visitor arrival statistics uh, the uh, fund flows may go into the domestic uh, consumption names, especially the ones with suburban retail exposure, as uh, you know the the unemployment rate continues to be low, and overall retail sales is still clocking around five percent year-on-year growth. So, Krishna, give us your top three Singapore REIT buys. Uh, those will be Ames, APAC REIT, uh, CICT, uh, and MLT. Okay, great, thanks. Maybe this time we'll start with uh, Wheelie. So I think from the Indonesia 2Q GDP, it's one of the few countries where growth actually picked up slightly in the second quarter and consumer spending seems to be holding up. But what's your assessment of uh, the consumer sector? Which parts are doing well and which is under pressure? Yeah, hi, morning, Hakmin and everyone. So uh, our analysis points to an encouraging signs of uh, improvement in our labor market. Uh, but we are particularly cautious about the low-income segment as they work in the informal sectors and uh, with less unemployment securities. And also they lend uh, quite uh, massively uh, when it comes to supporting their consumptive lifestyles. Uh, this is, and this is financing primarily coming from fintech lending. Uh, as our report suggests that uh, there are some of the deterioration when it comes to the loan quality there. So yeah, we're probably particularly cautious on that segment. Overall, uh, the improvement in spending power for Indonesia consumer remains uneven. A slow pace for low income earners, that's 70% of our populations. A modest for middle income earners and even stronger pace for high income earners. So really, which one are your top Indonesia consumer picks and why? Yeah, uh, we're recommending three names. Uh, in orders, we have Indofood CBP, and, and second one is Mayura Inda, um, and third one is INDF. So when it comes to ICBP and Mayura, we think that these two names will give a prime proxy for mass market uh, play in anticipations of positive election impacts. Uh, we believe the elections will be generally good for our economy and the sectors, 
as uh, some of the evidence shows that our real GDP, as well as our real uh, private consumptions, have shown an uptick when the uh, election campaign happened. And that also translates into a stronger sales uh, pace for our consumer names. And also we see a value on Indofood success Mahmoud as these stocks will concurrently offer exposures to consumptions and rising commodity prices. Great, thanks, Willie. Uh, Brian, Thank you. so Bank Indonesia left the policy rates unchanged at their meeting last week. Uh, what was Governor Perry guiding about the health of the consumer and whether spending can hold up in the second half or will come under some pressure? Yeah, morning, Habin. Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, so at BI's meeting uh, last week, they mentioned that uh, domestic demand remains solid. Um, they are looking at the third quarter growth to come in at about the same second quarter, which would be rather remarkable because second quarter actually rated to 5.2% from 5% in the first quarter. Um, I think if we look beyond uh, and if we look to the recent data, uh, the latest retail sales survey for July 2023 uh, conducted by BI as well, which was released earlier in the month, respondents actually expect um, real retail sales to, um, to fall, 4.6% uh, uh, in July from a month ago. Uh, but the reason is uh, more of normalizing demand after the recent school holidays as well as Ramadan holidays. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, real retail sales is still projected to remain um, resilient uh, on a year-ago basis, actually rising 6.3% year-on-year. Um, and if we look at um, the, I think the drivers of, uh, of uh, improving consumption have been uh, have been have been uh, subsiding inflationary pressure at consumer confidence uh, for uh, an idea of uh, of what's to come think that consumer confidence has been easing um since june uh, but um but in june we have not we, we cannot forget that it was actually at a 12 month high uh, ultimately consumer confidence still remains relatively resilient and upbeat uh, and uh, higher than the first quarter and also higher than the second half of 2022 back to you Harbin. Okay, great. Thanks, Brian. Uh, that's all we have for today. Have a good week ahead. To read our research reports, contact a trading rep at Maybank or access the reports on our trading platform. I'm Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank.